Welcome, everybody, to the Assuminati podcast, the podcast that explores everyday topics with the assumption that a conspiracy may be at hand. I'm Brandon. I'm Bobby. I'm Matt. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Assuminati podcast, where we delve into the world of conspiracy theories with... A little bit of skepticism, humor, open-mindedness, you name it, just to be humble, just to brag a little bit. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Brandon, and with me, of course, are my co-hosts, Matt and Bobby. Say hi, gentlemen. Hey, guys. Nice. So before we get too far here, let's just do a quick recap of last week's episode on the tragic death of Princess Diana. For those of you who watched or, or at least saw... Any information about the coronation kind of lined up. We figured we'd do a royal topic, like like a Princess Diana. She was so loved and, and respected. We discussed the official investigation, which concluded that the accident, as you remember from the episode result, uh, or it was a result of driver intoxication, high speed. But we also explored the theories suggesting that maybe MI6, that British Secret Service group, may have been involved in orchestrating the death again may uh conspiracies uh, anyway <laughs> and then we of course uh talked a little bit about the paparazzi papa papa paparazzi pavarotti yeah, Pavar- yeah i heard it was pavarotti that was involved made an entrance oh <laughs> man so if you haven't checked out that episode be sure to go back and give it a listen we'd love to hear from you and, and hear what you thought yeah, that was quite the heavy topic. It's really amazing how many conspiracy theories still exist around Princess Diana's death. And, you know, that happened quite a long time ago. I know, right? Seems like these theories persist even in the face of overwhelming evidence to the contrary. At least some of them do. Mm, certainly fascinating. That shows just how powerful some of these conspiracy theories can be. So... If you guys are ready, let's shift gears. Let's get into our next topic and blast off to the moon, gentlemen. Anybody? <laughs> to the moon, to the moon. <laughs> to the moon. Let me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on a Jupiter and Mars. I'm over the moon, Brandon. If oh, we can fit there? a question in. Okay. Well, all right, Bobby. Well, that's that's good to hear. Uh, just if you if anybody's been paying attention to the news as of late, uh, there is a reason we're talking about this. We, first of all, we wanted to keep the conspiracy theory topic, especially some of the more popular ones. We wanted to keep that theme going with the Assuminati podcast, tackling actual conspiracy theories that many of you have heard of. So we're we're excited to keep that going. Keep that keep that rocket ship a moving. Now, as of late, you've probably heard of a guy named Elon Musk. Yeah, Maybe. a couple times. Yeah, yeah, a couple. Yeah, he, he seems to be in the news quite a bit. Part genius, part evil genius. Maybe we're still kind of waiting to see what he turns into. But uh, anyway, with his SpaceX company as well as other Virgin Galactic and and Jeff Bezos has Blue Origin, all these billionaires and their rocket ship companies trying to take us to outer space and maybe make a buck or two while they do it. I'm sure there's some motivation there. 
And then there's some recent attempts, again, speaking of the moon, which is where we're going with this topic, we've had India and China, as of late, attempt to land ships on the moon unsuccessfully, uh, so that there's a lot happening in outer space right now. So we figured we would bring in a popular outer space conspiracy and talk about it and dive into it. So if you guys are ready, I think it's time to blast off. Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm in. So we're all right. Good, good. Strap in because it's time to discuss one of the most debated conspiracy theories of all time. The moon landing, which was a monumental achievement alleged to some of you monumental achievement for humanity or just a colossal conspiracy or prank by the U.S. government. So what do you think? Oh, I have been waiting for this one. So for those who may not know, the moon landing hoax conspiracy theory claims the United States government faked the Apollo moon landings in the late 1960s and early 1970s. The main motive? To win the space race against the Soviet Union, of course. Right, because nothing says take that, commies, like a Hollywood-style moon landing production. (laughs) Now to set the stage for this comical cosmic debate, uh, let's start with some key facts about the moon landing, shall we, gentlemen? Let's hear it. Are these really facts or... Oh, I don't know. Fact or fiction? <laughs> fact or fiction. These are claimed facts. Okay, let's, go ahead. Let's call them statements <laughs> on sure. what may or may not have happened, and then we'll dive in. So it jumps right to the, uh, this is part of the Apollo, for those of you unfamiliar with the, the space program of the 60s and 70s. The Apollo program meant to put a person on the moon Uh, We jump right to the 11th version of that. Apollo 11 launched from Florida on July 16, 1969 with Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Michael Collins on board. Remember that name, Michael Collins, because not many people do. He's forgotten. Florida, huh? Sorry. I guess back then it was good for more than just oranges and Disney World. (laughs) That's terrible. So you had Armstrong and Aldrin who were the first humans to set foot on the moon. Well, Collins just kind of chilled in orbit around the moon. He went around about a dozen times or a little bit more as those guys put their feet on the actual moon. You know, somebody had to stay in the ship. Like if they got all got out, what if the ship kind of wandered off a little bit? Probably good to keep somebody in the pilot seat. He was designated as the driver slash recoverer as well so if they had missed their target he had options mission options to save them and so yeah he he was a pretty important guy he couldn't just take a nap yeah but in all seriousness talk about fomo i mean am i right that poor guy missed the most epic moonwalk ever yep no that lunar module that he was uh that he was i guess kept out of named eagle america there's a patriotic name for a, a ship landed in the sea of tranquility. Sea of tranquility? <laughs> Sounds like the name of a fancy schmancy spa resort for stressed out astronauts. That's exactly what it was, Matt. That's exactly what it was. The famous line, one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind was actually botched 
by Armstrong. So there's a fun fact for you. He intended to say one small step for a man. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Yeah, I've heard that before. But, you know, even astronauts probably get tongue-tied when they're in the spotlight. But let's be honest, it still sounds pretty epic. He didn't rehearse his lines enough. <laughs> it was a it was a, a fed line, which kind of uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. So good good catch there, there, Maddie. Now the Apollo eleven astronauts did leave something behind, uh, apart from all of the other junk, some of the trash that they left on the moon. They left behind a plaque that reads, "Here, men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon." July 1969 A.D., we came in peace for all mankind. So did they think, like, an alien was going to be able to read that? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I doubt the—how prideful of us Americans to think that, you know, we can leave a message in English and all these aliens are going to be able to read it and know what it says? No, it was— yeah, they would uh, go ahead, Matt. I, uh, I was just going to say it's meant for the Soviets, right? So it's a heartwarming message for from a mission that some believe was out uh, was all about the one upping of the Soviets, right? So we why didn't they leave it in Russian? PR strategy. Why wasn't a dear like dear Vladimir? That would have been good. Previous Vladimir. They should have done one. it in both both languages. You know. Like a Rosetta Stone, just give it, give it like three or they four They really missed languages. the boat on this one. Like, if you're alien... trying to taunt your enemy, leave it in their language. <laughs> aliens, they're hoping the aliens will have observed us enough to have learned our language. Maybe they watched like a bunch of episodes of Seinfeld or something, learned our language, and now they can read this plaque. I'm sure they have technologies that can decipher as well that we just aren't aware of. Anyway, so they left a plaque. They left their mark. <laughs> they planted their flag. How heartwarming, yeah? Yeah, very heartwarming. So here's a few more fun facts to keep the conversation going here. The total duration of the Apollo 11 mission was about 8 days, 3 hours, and 18 minutes, as well as 35 seconds, but who's counting? You know, that's longer than some of my relationships have lasted. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely Hollywood, for sure, but... You found the right one, though, Bobby. You got it. Uh, the lunar module spent a total of 21 hours and 36 minutes on the moon's surface with Armstrong and Aldrin venturing outside for just over two and a half hours. So there's just your enough trip. time for a quick moon selfie in a game of zero gravity tag. You're <laughs> it. Sure. I guarantee <laughs> they did that. Uh, the total weight of the moon rocks collected by Apollo 11 was about 47 and a half pounds. So that's good. It's about the the weight of my eight-year-old. So that's great. Yeah, that's like carrying a bag of dog food across the moon's surface. Talk about a rough workout. Bark. <laughs> <laughs> now, these spacesuits, super fashionable, right? Worn by the Apollo 11 astronauts were specifically designed to protect them from the extreme temperatures and lack of atmosphere on the moon. One small step for fashion, one giant leap for space couture. Ooh, fancy. That's a big word, Matt. For me, it is. Rodeo Drive coming to a store near you. Now, there were a total of six manned moon landings within the Apollo program from 1969 to 1972, 
with a total of 12 astronauts walking on the moon's surface. Now that we've got some of those facts out of the way, we're going to dive into the great moon landing debate with Matt leading the charge on the hoax theory and Bobby countering. Uh, I'll help you a little bit on that too, Bobby. Uh, As far as the claims made by the United States and NASA program. So prepare for liftoff, gentlemen. So with some of those facts in mind, let's jump into the great moon landing debate. So let's look at some of the most popular claims made by moon landing deniers and the counter arguments from those who believe we really did land on the moon. You've been telling me for years, Matt, about how this moon landing is a hoax. So Matt will act as our passionate skeptic. Why don't you start us off with one of your passionate arguments for the moon landing being a hoax? Okay, Brandon, prepare, and Bobby, prepare to have your minds blown. Ooh, I'm ready. (laughs) Actually, I think most of us have heard of these before. But first off, some people think the U.S. government faked the moon landing to one-up the Soviet Union, right? (gasps) I mean, if you can't beat them, fake it until you make it, right? Okay. Well, you know, the, the funny thing is, is the Soviets have never disputed the moon landing. Even though they had the technology to monitor the mission, you know, I think they were just too busy perfecting their vodka recipes. There we go. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> well, they do have good, <laughs> good vodka point, recipes. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. Well, not that I'd know, but continue. Okay. All right. Well, what about the photos from the moon? Uh, there are no stars in the sky. The, shout- the shadows are all wonky, so the lighting is off. Clearly... That would be something that you'd see in a big Hollywood production. Wow. Okay. You know, you underestimate the power of science. The lunar surface is super bright, which washes out the stars, and the uneven terrain can make the shadows look weird. Even Hollywood can't fake that level of realism. And consider the cameras from the 1960s and 70s. What are the odds they were picking up things like the stars and stuff like that? So you mentioned the cameras from the 1960s and 70s, and I watched a documentary, and I can't remember the name of it, but I'll find it, and we'll put it in the show notes or something at some point. But the maker of those cameras came on and was interviewed and said that there is no way that those cameras would be able to function in uh, the bright parts of the moon and in the shadows of the moon because of the temperatures and the temperature shifts in both. But yet we get crystal clear pictures, like studio quality pictures, back from the moon. Just uh, just thought I'd add that in. Interesting. Wow. Interesting okay. thought. That is, that is. Uh, you have any other, uh, did you have any other statements on it? Did you have any other arguments that you'd like to make, Matt? No, just that if you look it up, okay, uh, you look at the temperature of what it is in the shadows of the moon. The fluctuation. And it's seriously cold. Seriously cold. And those cameras back then, in the 60s and 70s, weren't built like cameras that we have now to be able to handle um, temperature extremes on, on both sides, super cold or super hot. I mean, you set your iPhone out in a car for a little while and it's, and it's kind of hot. You get a message, right, that your iPhone has to cool down before you can use it. So you contrast that to something 200 times the temperature on those cameras, but then we end up with studio quality pictures from the moon. 
with 60s and 70s technology in cameras. And seriously, I mean, the guy that built these cameras was interviewed <laughs> and said there's no way that these cameras would be be functioning, let alone give you a quality picture, a high-quality picture. And yet we have pictures from the moon that look like they are studio-quality pictures just with amazing um, clarity. And- and to keep in mind, this is the bright side of the moon, not the dark side of the moon. So uh, temperatures could very well have been in the couple hundred Fahrenheit range. Uh, so it could have been yeah. extremely hot, difficult for some of these things to function. I can see your argument there. They do claim that they were specifically made for this type of a mission. I wonder if the guy they interviewed took that into consideration. Did he? Did Was he the one who made those for the mission? Yep. Or was that just a product line manager? Was he? No, he's the one that made them for the mission. He That's adjusted them and made made them for this specific mission. Did he promise them that it would work? And now he's claiming they wouldn't. I mean, what's his motivation? For no. Out so later? it wasn't explained to him uh, the temperature swings. Okay. And the extremities on both sides. He only found that out later, which is why he's come forward and said, "There's no way that the cameras that they claim they used." which were my design and my and my doing, would have done that. So there's a possibility, I guess, that NASA swapped out the cameras or something. So they commissioned this guy and waste a lot of money, taxpayer money, that is, to which build these not, cameras. That, which that is supposedly, not out of the realm of possibility here. Right, not, yeah, like, it's not. You're right. So there's a possibility that, that uh, they swapped out those cameras and came up with some revolutionary technology for the 60s and 70s that somehow – we still don't employ in our current cameras. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. There's some pretty good cameras in your there, cell phones. There nowadays. are, but I mean, that go up to, I don't know, those, those types of temperatures. I mean, I don't know. You'd have to. Uh, you know what would have worked on the moon? I'm calling this. I think one of those disposable cameras that you manually wind. I think that would have. I think those would have worked. Those but are pretty have, indestructible. You'd have to find out in a couple of business days what your pictures look like. But <laughs> I think they, and then you could just toss them. You had to drop them off at the local Walmart, get them to right. you know, right. develop your film. You know, but, they don't even develop film like that anymore. So yeah, I don't you know. know where you do that. That's something to consider, though, these, these extreme temperature changes uh, as far as all instruments involved, let alone the cameras. I think that's important for skeptics of the moon landing to take into consideration. So good argument there. Any other arguments you want to jump into? There's some other classic topics here related to the moon landing. Yeah, here's one. How about the waving flag? Mm, Everyone's seen the waving flag, right? So I'm not necessarily 100% sold on this particular one, but some conspiracy theorists argue that the flag planted on the moon appears to be waving in the breeze, which is impossible since we all know that there's no atmosphere on the moon. So there's no wind, right? Uh, clearly that had to be done on earth with air conditioner blowing or something on a set, <laughs> a okay. movie set. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've seen the videos of the flag waving and it's not doing a natural wave. So, you know, they claim that this theory has been debunked. And that the flag only be appears to be waving because of the way the astronauts had set it up. Um, they used a horizontal rod to extend the flag, and then the rippled effect was caused by astronauts struggling to fully extend the rod. 
um, not by any breeze. So when you look at the video, to me, it doesn't look like a breeze. It almost looks like it just continued the wave of shaking as they set it up. Yeah, they had that rod going across the top of it. So, yeah, there, there's some decent arguments. And I, uh, it sounds like Matt's kind of on the same page here. There's uh, not a ton to dive into here. Well, without yeah, gravity, like, here's it's a question. A bit, of, bit of a stretch, but yeah. If there's Go no ahead. gravity, why did they even need the rod? Like, couldn't they just, like, spread it out and so it would the, just stay there? There is gravity. It's a one-sixth, I believe. Uh, of the Earth's gravity, so that yeah, it, there's it was slight gravity, a little bit, but uh, there's a little bit, and that could cause it to move. As you see in different pictures of the flag, it does look slightly different in each one. And uh, yeah, there's the rod. A lot of people don't know that there is a rod. I think that's something that a lot of our viewers are learning about for the first time. There was I a stabilization rod today as well, yeah, to keep the flag outright so that it's viewable, so that when Russia does look at us in a, in a telescope they can see our flag and uh the plaque that's awesome i really want to get to our next argument because i think this is where most of the passion will come into uh the the conversation here so matt do you want to yeah. set us up with your, your uh, in my opinion what your favorite argument might be here yeah i think the strongest argument um that we didn't make it to the moon is a little thing called the Van Allen radiation belts. Ooh, what is and that? I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but there is a giant radiation belt that encompasses the earth. And it was discovered by Van Allen a guy named Van Allen. Um, and they're, they're just a super potent radiation, like lethal radiation to humans to get through that belt. And my argument <laughs> Well, and a lot of other people are that you could, no astronaut could survive passing through the belts. I know that some of the other arguments are that they just went through them so fast that it really didn't uh, penetrate them and all that. It's kind of like getting a x-ray or something like that. But this is exponentially higher radiation levels than an x-ray, for example. Mm. And, and it's lethal. And so my argument, and a lot of other people, is that you just can't get through those radiation belts and survive. And the other part of that is if you look at the the lunar module and the rockets and everything else, I mean, we were basically using duct tape and, <laughs> and tin foil. Right? Hey, there's I mean, nothing you can't fix with duct tape. Yeah, except for I don't think it's going to get you through the Van Allen radiation belts. Okay. I don't know. I've seen some pretty strong duct tape, but, you know, I hadn't heard of the Van Allen belts until you told me about it. And so I did some Googling. And according to some of the things I read is that, yes, the Van Allen belts, they do contain a um, high level of radiation. Um, but the argument for them getting through it is that their exposure was really brief. Um, they had designed the spacecraft to provide enough shielding to keep them safe. And it was all about the timing and the protection that they put into place to be able to get through these. That's interesting. I, I read a, an article on this. This is from the National Space Center Discovery. And this is Director Professor Anu Ohiaha. Ohiaha? 
OJHA. Oh, yeah. National Space Center Discovery. Sounds like a NASA sponsored group. Okay, royal, go ahead. It's a Royal Museum in Greenwich. So this is a British. <laughs> okay. And they <laughs> know a lot about space travel. They're still friends, right? They're still Allegedly. friends. So he related it to fire walking. I thought it was an interesting way to look at it. If you've ever done fire walking, you know the one thing you don't do is linger. So you cross it as quickly as you can. So it kind of... He's supporting Bobby's argument here that, that you you get through it as quickly as you can. They estimate that they spent about an hour making their way through that field. So that's still, I mean, that's an hour, right? Of, of all of this energy that Matt mentioned, that that's still pretty intense. Well, just think about it this way. If you're in a nuclear blast zone and you spend an hour in the radiation long, that can from be a, a long nuclear time. blast, <laughs> do you think you're going to have some long lasting damage? That's, that's just a very don't open a window. Put down the shades. Argument. Yeah. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> don't crack the window. I mean, these are your UV lenses. <laughs> exactly. I mean, these SPF are areas. Uh, these are regions surrounding the Earth, uh, with these high energy particles trapped by our magnetic field. I mean, these are these are known obstacles, and uh, the Van Allen belt. Something for you to Google. Something for you to YouTube to find out yeah. more about how intense the energy and radiation is within that Van Allen belt is a serious obstacle. Absolutely. I would recommend, and, and the other thing too with the Van Allen belt, and then we can move forward with some, some other stuff, but um, is just the fact of, you, you just have to consider the technology that we had at that time. Okay. And why haven't we been back <laughs> Again, I mean, we we can talk about that as another reason, but (laughs) I'm just saying it seems to me like that's a pretty compelling argument. Yeah, when was the last time we went to the moon? 1972, Apollo 17 is the last time. It was all part of the Apollo series. Really long time. That is a long time. So, what are maybe we tackle that right now? What are some of the reasons we think we have not been back? Because there you can't wasn't a lot to see on the moon. <laughs> so Matt, was... Matt's got the Van Allen belt. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. that's that's answer A. What do we think, Bobby? Well, if I was thinking logically, and let's say we made it to the moon those few times, there's not a whole lot to see there. Once you've been there, I mean, it'd be like going to Nevada's desert. Do I need to go twice? Probably Canyon not. Or... Okay. I had a high, sophisticated camera, and I got pictures. I can enjoy it at any time. Yeah, and uh, some of these professors that I, I read some quotes from, from these various institutions, really it came down to we won the race. We won. We, we set out to win. JFK set us on that path in 1963. And then the other answer was our priorities changed drastically in the 70s with the Vietnam War, the political and geopolitical environments that we found ourselves in. And then they turned their attention to the space shuttle program. We know that that was designed within the 70s, released in the 80s. So again, those are just some of the arguments. Matt makes the argument as far as we never went in the first place. That's why we haven't been back. And then those who believe we did land believe there was just a change in priority or funding. So yeah, those are, those are any other thoughts on, on why we haven't been back? Well, I, I'm just having one more thought. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> it's like, if you guys go back and watch, there's a couple things. Okay. Go back and watch the press conference. I did this this week. Go back and watch the press conference following the alleged moon landing 
with the astronauts talking and and just tell me what body language you see <laughs> and and if it matches up with people that are being forthright and honest okay that that's number one number two the point that i want to make is if you look at the predecessor launches to the apollo launches um and i can't remember what they were called gemini i think those things were just exploding left and right i mean they they were unsuccessful over and over again but then all of a sudden like in a relatively short span of time we have a rocket that can not only go into near earth orbit the neo where the space station is and everything else all satellites and you know what elon musk is putting up there now okay but not only that can make it through the van allen belt and all the way to the moon when just years before couldn't even get a rocket off the launch pad well according to a movie i saw they just had the wrong people doing the math oh okay (laughs) okay there is that yeah, those are interesting ones. And Shout out to science. Maybe you're doing hidden hidden figures there, Bobby. Is that what you're hidden mm-hmm. figures? Yeah, uh, and, and a million other depictions of the people and, and the work that it took to get to this point to compute and to to master actual space travel. Well, you, that you, my strong arguments are are yeah. seriously like if it, if you really want to talk about why we haven't been back, I think in, one of the reasons that we haven't been back. I'm going to put in quotations, okay? <laughs> We're not on video. <laughs> is, well, whatever. I mean, one of the reasons that we haven't been back is we can't, the technology has improved to monitor us now, where the technology wasn't there before. And we just kind of took NASA's word for it. You know, as Americans, we, we couldn't, we didn't have technology to be able to see, okay, they're getting past a certain point. This rocket is moving and getting past a certain, you know, our telescopes weren't, weren't, weren't there. But then when they became that way, guess what stopped happening? Moon landings, right? So I think that's another argument against is they can no longer pull the wool over your, your eyes. And I mean, the other thing is when has the government lied to us before? Never. <laughs> So Every day. what makes you think during the 60s when the government was actually doing, uh, you know, science experiments on people that didn't know about it, <laughs> they're not going to lie to us about a little thing like the moon landing to get an advantage on the world stage? Yeah, I mean, come there, on. There was, it just seems logical. There was, there was major motivation. There was major motive to, to make it happen either way. That's, there was means. There was motive. What, do you, what else do you have to have to convict people of murder? <laughs> opportunity. opportunity. I don't know. Yeah, opportunity. Opportunity, means, motive, all of it existed by the it government. Did. It absolutely did. And there you go. I rest my case. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. <laughs> Let's talk about just a few more things, but I think we're, I think we're on the, the path here to the end. Yeah. Some serious arguments have been made on either side. A lot to look up, people. This, again, being one of the most popular conspiracy theories, if not the most popular conspiracy theory to tackle, there is endless, endless amounts of debate, topics, resources on both sides of the argument. Really cool stuff to look into. So we, we hope that you're we're at least wetting the whistle or giving you a taste of what you can find on this subject. Really, really interesting stuff. 
How about the lack of a blast crater under the lunar module? Some conspiracy theorists argue that the moon landing was real. There should have been a noticeable crater, if it was real, um, from the module's engines. What about that? Well, that's probably a common misconception. So the lunar module's descent engine was throttled back. They had it going slow as it approached the surface. Kind of like I'm teaching my 15-year-old son who's driving. Slow down (laughs) before you get close to an object. Um, And the moon's low gravity means that the force exerted on the surface was much less than you'd expect on Earth. Plus, the lunar dust is pretty compact. So, you know, it's no surprise there wasn't a significant crater. Hmm. Well, just one thing, just kind of a counter to the counter here on that lunar dust being pretty compact. Um, how do we know? How do we know that lunar dust is compact? I mean, well, we're told that you, by... you got to ask the people that went. <laughs> right. They that allegedly back. went, right? They brought so, it back, Matt. Uh, just saying. All right. Um, so, yeah, there is another argument. Um, what about the extreme temperatures on the moon? We kind of touched on this with the camera. Uh, but what about those spacesuits? I mean, this is the 60s and 70s, right? Duct tape and tinfoil. Um, there's no way that those spacesuits could have uh, protected those astronauts from the heat and the cold. Well, the suits were supposed to be specifically designed to handle extreme temperatures. Um, they also had a life support system in there that regulated their body temperature. So... Supposedly, they should have been able to survive the moon's temperature swings just fine. But I tell you what, if if that's if those suits work the way they should, I need that here in North Carolina because it's starting to get hot, and <laughs> okay, okay, I need something to cool me down. And I think uh, they facilitate your when nature calls situations too, as well. I, I believe that that'd be nice. That'd be handy. Keep me yeah, now that would be just a little bit unusual. <laughs> Like, okay, just throwing it out there. That's that's some pretty good arguments there. Again, the the fluctuation in environment that, that's that has to be taken into consideration with all of these arguments. I think it's a pretty good, pretty good argument there. Should we talk about a certain rock that conspiracy theorists bring up? Uh, Matt, do you want to tackle yeah. that? I think you're referring to the sea rock. Oh. Um, some conspiracy theorists argue that a rock on the lunar surface appears to have the letter C on it, um, <laughs> implying it was a prop accidentally left behind by a film crew during the hoax. Yeah, I saw that in a recent documentary I watched. That, that was interesting. Yeah, so the the counter argument to that is that the the C was actually just a hair or a fiber that got stuck on the camera lens. Um, probably during film development process. Um, I don't think it's a necessarily a sign that a Hollywood prop department um, left their mark on the set, but it's an interesting thought. Hmm. C is for conspiracy. That's what I always say. So I guess we'll... <laughs> C is for cookie. C is for cookie mm-hmm. is how I... Yeah, Cookie Monster did come to mind. Good, <laughs> good call out there. Yeah. And then the, we talked a lot about the the pictures, uh, multiple light sources. Do you have anything on that, Matt? I mean, that, that comes up a lot. It does. It's a little bit more on the weak argument side for yeah. me okay. um, because that, that to me has been kind of debunked. I mean, you can, you can argue that either way, but uh, the shadow casting and all of that, I've, I've read a lot about that and it, it's just not as compelling as a lot of the other arguments out there. I think one thing though, 
just to kind of wrap up all of the, uh, you know, all the conspiratorial information that's out there. I mean, if you take into consideration just the volume and the cumulative arguments that there are against the moon landing, it feels like there's an overwhelming amount of information there that supports not being able to land on the moon to me. And that is why I'm in the camp of we didn't really land on the moon back in the sixties. So probably the one and only thing that like truly leads me to thinking we did is I know human nature. I know people I've been around people and people talk, people gossip. It's just what they do. And, you know, we've been over 50 years since this happened. And, you know, if this was really such a hoax, the sheer number of people that had to been involved and working on this and were doing things that someone or many people you would think would have spilled the beans by now of, yeah, remember that big thing, you know, it didn't actually happen. I think so, to the, to argue that there's there are fewer people than you actually think that were in the know of this. So hear me out, fellas. All right. I think, and and this is uh, backed up by some other people that think the same thing and can give you documentation on who kind of was there and what was happening in Mission Control. But I think the people in Mission Control actually thought that we were c- continuing and doing this mission. I think the astronauts were made to think that they were actually there. I think they were, they were given, I think they were given (laughs) something that made them think that they were actually on the moon surface. So so drug them, take them on a bumpy car ride. Well, release them out in the middle of the desert. I mean, the the government was dosing people with LSD just before all of this. Okay. And those people, I mean, that's well documented. You don't have to take my word for it. People go ahead and Google it, (laughs) you know, MK ultra, all of it, you know, whatever. I mean, those are legitimate government, um, doc, well-documented, uh, initiatives. Okay. And so the government could do it, probably did do it. Um, so that those guys didn't didn't realize it later on, and that's that's why I think, you know, you can argue all the, all these people had to know and and blah blah blah, but did they? I don't think so. I think they actually were led to believe that they were running an actual launch when it really wasn't. It would take a real like conniving genius to pull that all together, though, like. Think of the most intricate play that they would be like coordinating all this. So there was at least several people that would have to be in on that to like coordinate it. And there would be a handful, but not nearly as many as people argue. They say hundreds to thousands or whatever. I don't think so. Uh, I think if I think if there were a hundred or a thousand people that knew about it, then obviously it would come out later on that it was a hoax. But I don't think that many people knew. Uh, Oxford University physicist and cancer biologist David Robert Grimes estimates 400,000 people would have to have been in on this secret for it to work. Now, that seems slightly excessive. That seems a lot. Now, that's that's 
if you look at everybody who's worked for NASA, that number starts to make sense. Uh, anybody who has had access to those files within the government. So he, he did some major calculations here. And he, yeah, he says science thrives on being open and gradually self-correcting and a willingness to be guided by evidence rather than dogma. And so he would, uh, he, he's arguing, you look at NASA in the 1960s, they were the best of the best. You think about the best engineers, the best scientists in the world were working for that organization. There's a, there's a prestige that comes with NASA. You would have to fool them or drug them to make this happen. So that's an interesting argument, Matt, is these astronauts, these people who actually put their foot on the moon, believed that they put their foot on the moon because of... I think so. I've, I've seen oh, some of their of their interviews after, and, and uh, you could argue it different ways, and I know people have. Some, some conspiracy theorists say, you know, there's this one guy that follows people around and tries to get them to swear on the Bible that they actually landed oh, on the moon, he, right? He's a gem. You want to talk about idiot. a punch? You want to touch about it? Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, that's good. just ridiculous. <laughs> right. <laughs> My argument is that these guys don't know. They actually think that they landed on the moon. And I think that, you know, these, these things are pretty potent and powerful that the government was giving to people unwittingly. Okay. And that is also documented evidence and proof i'm not making this up you can look it up and and get you know all the all the public information is out there right you can look it up and know that this that your government was dosing people with high levels of lsd and these people didn't know or consent to it and i don't think these astronauts were um uh, any kind of a an exception I feel like if they were going to do it to the general population and if they did it to smart astronauts too, um, that already think that they're, they're on this mission to go to the moon and, and everything else, um, I think it wouldn't have taken too much to convince them uh, as they're on their LSD trip <laughs> that they are actually on the moon. That's all I'm that's saying a, about it. That's an interesting argument. I, are the chances zero? I say no. <laughs> The chances are not zero that that could have happened. I, I, yeah, don't do drugs, kids. I happen to believe we did go to the moon, but it's because of some of the arguments that Bobby brought up about human nature and, and leaking. Somebody would try and make a buck off of this if they knew the truth, is my argument. But, uh, man, it goes both ways here. I think Matt made some really good arguments here. Yeah, you, you made some really good arguments. Awesome. Oh, what can I say? So then what we need to prove this once and for all is somebody's got to go to the moon again. So, you know, Elon, to Mars or whatever, Jeff like Bezos, right? when um, you, when you look if you're listening, I think it's time that you put some of your resources to doing good and, you know, proving this conspiracy theory dead once and for all. Go land on the moon and let's or, open it up to people to track the mark journey. my words, the first time somebody tries to either get back to the moon or to get to Mars or to whatever they're trying to do next. You know, I know that there's a, a group of people that they're, they're trying to whittle down to go to Mars, right? Um, they're not going to make it through the Van Allen belts. And then I want you guys to come back and we'll do a recap of this podcast. <laughs> and we'll go back and, uh, you know, we'll just say, hey, Matt was right. You know, there's certainly a lot of interest to getting, you know, wealthy people to go to Mars. 
Um, makes you wonder why they're not saying, hey, let's go try out the moon again. It's a little bit closer. Well, uh, I mean, who's the leading figure right now trying to get us out? <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's Mr. Musk. And if you look, he's given a million interviews and he, he claims the Van Allen Bell is a non-issue. He doesn't even give it the thought. He, he says it's a non-issue. We can make it through without a problem. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is another one that you can look at quotes and interviews on. Again, he feels it is dangerous, but not an issue. They can make it through. These are some pretty pretty powerful people not related to NASA. Uh, but yeah, competing. but getting their information from NASA. Okay. Just saying. Uh, I mean, claiming that it's possible because of what NASA accomplished. Right, yeah, right, I think right, your right. argument. Absolutely. And you're right. I think we're going to find out soon when you have somebody like an Elon who can't wait to put somebody on another planet. I think we have some attempts coming up in a part two of this podcast coming up absolutely in, yeah. in the near future. And again, I, I hope that when you look at the Apollo programs, what they were responding to on the Russian side, uh, they they killed a lot of animals. They killed uh, they they put people at risk. Um <laughs> trying to test some of these these space flights out so that we hope that doesn't happen with human life but uh i guess we'll see we gotta send the monkeys first that's right unfortunately some monkeys died as well as they were testing some of this out all in competition and all for pride right we will put a man on the moon by the end of the decade is what jfk gave us well, as we wrap up today's episode, we hope that our exploration and brief exploration of the moon landing conspiracy theory has been an entertaining and enlightening, maybe intriguing part of your day as it has been for us. So as always, you know, we would encourage our listeners to approach conspiracy theories with a dose of skepticism. Um, more importantly, a sense of humor and an open mind. Who knows, maybe one day we'll all be taking selfies on the moon together. Yep, that's one small selfie for man, one giant group photo for mankind. Ooh, <laughs> well, there you have it, folks. That's that's the hot take. And our take on the moon landing hoax conspiracy theory, it's been a blast, pun intended, for exploring this topic. That was fun. Yeah, thanks Thanks for diving into the, the moon landing with us. You guys have a good night. Yeah, you too. too, friend. If you believe they put a man on the moon, man on the moon. If you believe there's nothing up this sleeve, nothing is cool. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Assuminati Podcast. Remember, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast streaming services. Be sure to hit that like button. We recommend subscribing with notifications so you don't miss an episode. And be sure, of course, to share with your friends. We'd also love to interact with you on social media as we post and prepare for our weekly episodes. Until next time on the Assuminati Podcast. Andy, did you hear about this one? Tell me how you locked in the pot. Ads here. Brought to you by Space Couture. Does this suit make me look fat? Travel to the moon where you'll instantly feel weightless. If you